Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on June 12, 2016, on the basis of Genesis 39, verses 6 through 12 and 16 through 23. We're at the local high school football game. The Vikings are down by one. There's just a few seconds left. The field goal unit rushes out onto the field. They get everything set. The kick is up, and it's pulled way to the left. Or is it? Have you ever noticed at a high school football game, it's almost impossible to tell if even an extra point or a field goal is good, or if it's not good, you have to pretty much wait until the ref indicates whether it's made it or it's missed. There's actually an explanation for that. It's called parallax error. It's the reality that because of the wrong perspective, we get wrong signals sent to our brains from our eyes and we're not able to make a proper, correct judgment. Another way that it happens is you're riding in the car as a passenger and the driver is going so slow. You're getting passed by everybody, it seems, and you look over and you look and you can see that needle on the speedometer. They're actually going below the speed limit. Who drives below the speed limit? But from our perspective, we're not seeing that needle straight on and we're not actually seeing the correct speed limit that the driver is going. That's a parallax error. When because of our perspective, we don't see things properly and we make an improper conclusion. Today, as we take a look from our perspective at God's word today, we're going to see how often because of our sinful selves, the sinful world in which we live, and just the struggles that we have as human beings, that we do not always get the proper perspective on things and we see things incorrectly. And we do so as we go back to an event that took place almost 4,000 years ago from the famous events in the life of Joseph. We may remember some things about Joseph. We may know that he had been a, a favored son of his father. And that allowed him quite a few privileges in life and it allowed him a special status among his brothers. And his father even indicated this, made it known among his brothers that Joseph was his favorite and he had given him that, that special multicolored coat. But now Joseph is in a very different stage and status of life. He's the favored slave in the home of an Egyptian master. We're told that Joseph is well-built and handsome. And this fact has not gone unnoticed by the woman of the house. And her intentions are made very clear. We're told that she says to him, come to bed with me. Joseph makes his intentions clear. Even in this setup of workplace prior propriety, it wouldn't be proper for me to do these things. Your husband has placed all things in the kingdom in, in my control. I'm over all things in your household. This 
this wouldn't be right in that sense, and even more so, how could I do this wicked thing and sin against God? And so Joseph goes out of his way to try and avoid this temptation. If only the account would end there, but of course it doesn't. The pages of Scripture tells us that she pursues him day after day with that same temptation. And consider again what's all happened in Joseph's life, who he is as an individual. Here's a young man who has suffered and seen a lot of loss in his life. He had gone from being the favored son of his father to being sold into slavery by his own brothers. And now he's a slave in Potiphar's household, feeling forgotten by his Heavenly Father, how the temptation must have come to him to just give in. Who's going to care? Maybe this was even common practice among the Egyptians. Maybe this was something that happened, or it would certainly be easy for him to excuse it, not to mention also just the natural temptations and desires that would have been there for Joseph and his sinful nature. But instead, day after day, he tries to avoid the situation until one day he can no longer. Potiphar's wife finds herself with Joseph in the home alone. And if we didn't know the account so well, if we hadn't just known it sooner, we would say, as any script writer would say, as any news reporter would say, as anybody who's ever observed human nature and character would say, well, he must have given in to the temptation. Certainly wouldn't be a surprise or shock to us. It wouldn't be a surprise in the pages of Scripture either. It happens often to God's children. Think of David, Samson, just to name a few. But Joseph does not. In fact, he takes God's word to heart and he flees from temptation literally leaving behind his cloak in her hands. And so then what happens to Joseph, who has worked so hard to deny himself, to deny his sinful temptations, to not follow these things, but instead to do what what God has said is right, what happens to him? The bigger surprise is that he ends up getting thrown into jail. From our perspective, from our mortal perspective with sinful eyes, we look at that and say, that doesn't seem fair. That seems to be a a huge injustice. Why would God's child, who has done what is right, has done exactly what God has wanted him to do, why doesn't God step in here and make things easier for Joseph. Hasn't he suffered enough already? Separated from his family, sold into slavery, now he's thrown into the dungeon in prison? From our perspective, that looks completely wrong. But God tells us what his perspective is. That now he had Joseph exactly where he needed him. For Joseph's own good, in a continued hard lesson training in humility, 
for Joseph to continue to get experience as he is put in charge of all things now also in this prison and now come into contact with an individual that will give him contact with Pharaoh not immediately, two years later, Joseph will finally come into contact with Pharaoh. And then God, through Joseph, will be able to save many lives. As Joseph will be able to interpret those dreams of Pharaoh, prepare for the famine that is coming, and God will be able to provide for his people here on this earth through Joseph, but also provide and preserve Joseph's own family. Those brothers who had sold them into slavery to protect and preserve their lives and preserve the promise of the Savior who is going to come through his brother Judah's family. From our perspective, oftentimes in life, we go through things and we suffer difficulties and hardships and sometimes it's even despite the fact that we've done the right thing. And from our perspective, that that just doesn't seem right. God's Word today talks quite a bit about this whole matter of denying ourselves, giving up ourselves, taking up the cross. And as we hear this account, if we haven't felt it already, we should some sense of shame, some sense of sadness, to realize placed with these type of temptations or something else, we don't often stand up like Joseph does and flee from temptation. If, if our salvation were to be based on how often we have denied ourselves or how well we have done in, in keeping ourselves from certain sins, we would all be horribly lost. Thankfully, our salvation isn't dependent on how good we do in denying ourselves of the temptations of our flesh and of this world. Because we have a Savior who did deny himself, who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes was willing to become poor. He gave up all glory in heaven to be born humbly in our place and to live a life of hardship of having close friends betray him and deny him, of having parents and family question him about what he was doing and thinking that he was out of his mind, to have the religious leaders of his day largely mostly reject him, and then to suffer and die on the cross, rejected and forsaken by all, even by his Father in heaven as he took all of our sins, as he did not deny himself any of those, but took them all to the cross and there paid for them so that we would now be forgiven. And that is all ours through this gift of faith, through this gift of baptism, which we heard about in our second lesson, that those who have been baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ that this is all ours, this is all what we have now, and that as we're called into this life of self-denial, that we would look at this world from a different perspective. No longer seeing things just from what seems fair or right to us, and why does the world seem to prosper? Why do the wicked prosper while 
while the good seem to suffer, and we may wonder about these things in all sorts of different ways. We may wonder about it when it comes to our congregation, to our family of faith. As we live in a world that is more and more resistant to not just some of God's word, but pretty much all of it. That wants nothing to do with an absolute truth of a moral code of right and wrong, of talk of sin and the need for grace. We may look at things and say, well, how can this little flock, how can this little family of faith, how can we ever survive? From our perspective, we may see it that way, but maybe all these things that are happening in this world and in our country as it becomes more and more opposed to so much of Christianity, maybe God has us right where he needs us. As a group of believers who still hold to his truth and hold that truth forward as a bright shining light in a world of darkness. It may not be easy, it may not be glamorous, it may not bring hordes and hordes of people off the street. It might, but nonetheless we have God's promise that he is with us, that he is the anchor that holds us sure and firm, and that we are safe and secure with him, and that he will work all things out for our good, even as a body of believers. That's his promise to us. But our life isn't just wrapped up in what happens here at Good News Lutheran. We all have our lives at home and the things that go on. And we know the hardships that we bear. They may not be similar to these things that Joseph was facing with temptation, but maybe just that temptation we face is we face in a particular way the, the wickedness of this world and how people treat us. And how easy it is for us to want to lash out at them, to return fire with fire, to put people in their place for the wrong ways that they have spoken to us or the wrong ways they have treated us. And yet knowing that we have an identity that's found not in what other people think of us, but in Christ, clothed with him that we don't. And maybe through that, God in his own way allows us to continue to give a good witness to the difference that he makes in our lives. That is, he has changed us from death to life and clothed us with Christ. He continues to change us, to make us a new creation and something different who don't join in everything of this world and instead have a confidence and a sense of comfort that can come only from Christ. And as we continue in life, constantly struggling with this whole matter of self-denial, and we are ever aware of, of our failings, and we see ourselves struggling with these temptations that Sometimes, too, it's good for us not just to look at it from our perspective, but to see even ourselves from God's perspective. For God sees us as his perfect son. We've been clothed with that through baptism. 
And that makes a difference as far as who we are and how we see ourselves and how we view our lives and how we deal with this world, that we would know who we are in God's eyes. And that we would view ourselves from his perspective and trust these sure promises, these anchors of our faith, these sure and solid promises to know. There's a reason why the Bible spends 13 chapters on the life of Joseph. Sure, it's to continue the salvation account, to show how the children of Israel ended up in Egypt, but also 13 chapters dedicated, devoted to this man's life. Maybe it's God's way, too, of showing us what we always see. We might have it wrong. But instead, trust our God who loves us and gives us sure promises that all things work out for our good. And they will. And we'll see it perfectly, maybe here, but for sure with him in heaven. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.